listening to The Renegade Economist, investigating monopoly profits, great corruption, and the policy solutions demanded. Geeky but essential, the tools to the fairest and most efficient economic system await. With your host, Carl Fitzgerald. Welcome, my friends. I hope you are staying sane out there in a world that is revealing just how susceptible we all are to keeping a roof over our heads. And today I'm excited because for years I fired out emails trying to find kindred spirits concerned about the role of vacant housing. Well, today that changes with the big announcement towards the end of this show. Okay, let's get into the recording. I'm going to introduce you to Will McMahon. He's the Director at Action for Empty Homes in the UK. Hello, Will. Hi there. And Helene Kalor, the Director for the New York State Housing Stabilization Fund at LISC. Helene, welcome. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Speaking to you from the US. <laughs> Fantastic. And Helene, can you uh, just take us through your group, LISC, Local Initiative Support Corporation? They're pretty big. Uh, I hadn't heard of them before. Uh, yes, we're um, the largest affordable housing and community development uh, nonprofit NGO in the United States. And um, when the Community Reinvestment Act was passed in the late 1970s, the Ford Foundation, a major um, philanthropy in the U.S. set us up so that we could be a bridge between the banks that now needed to reinvest in the communities where they took deposits, and then those communities who were looking for capital to revitalize. So uh, out of that, we've grown over the years and do a wide range of affordable housing and community development um, support for communities. Huge organization, listeners. Uh, check out the links in the show notes. And Will, tell us about uh, Action for Empty Homes. Okay, we're, we're, we're completely on the other end of the spectrum. We're a, a small organization uh, that's focused on uh, drawing public attention to the number of empty homes there are in uh, the United Kingdom. And we are intent on uh, making sure this is a key policy issue in housing over the next few years, it's been it's kind of disappeared off the agenda until a few years ago, and then the numbers started rising. And of course, with COVID, there's a lot of interest in in empty properties. So um, we've made a turn from being research. We still do research, but we're now very focused on advocacy and policy change. And for you, that uh, culminated in a recent report called "Pretty Vacant," and. Uh, yeah, give us the pricey of that and what your campaign objectives were there. Well, uh, Pretty Vacant was looking at uh, London housing supply and, and development of housing in London. And we looked at two aspects. One, we looked at the number of underutilised properties. And we use the term underutilised because we recognise that in London, a, a home might be described as empty at one moment. And then it might be Airbnb the next, and then it might be a short let the next, or um, or described as a second home as tax avoidance. And we added all those numbers together, and we think there are something like 125,000 underutilised properties in London. And next to that, we looked at what was being built uh, by developers. And most of what's being built by developers in London really is totally unaffordable for your average Londoner. 
So and so they're building the wrong kind of housing. They're building homes that people won't live in as wealth investment properties. So what we want to do is we want to tackle that. And um, there are many routes into tackling it, some of which I'm sure we'll talk about. We've all come together out of concern of this uh, evolving issue of uh, the commodification of housing and the resultant uh, uh, vacancy that pervades so many communities. Uh, Helene, what have been some of the the outcomes that have evolved with COVID in, in your area that Well, COVID is having a huge impact. Um, We had some moratoria on rental evictions and also foreclosures, but people have lost their jobs, massive job losses here throughout the United States. And uh, people just don't have money to pay their rent or or their mortgages. And now these moratoria are beginning to expire and we're describing it as the housing cliff because we already have massive numbers of um, vacant houses, we call them here in the U.S. Um, And it's a combination in New York City, ironically enough, we have both vacant houses because people were not able to pay their mortgages in the last foreclosure crisis in uh, 2009, 2010. And so the, you know, we just had had all these houses just sitting empty, deteriorating away from that crisis, we're just beginning to get somewhat caught up with refurbishing um, those houses. And this new crisis is looming now. And we just haven't come up with the tools yet uh, as a country to face this and to protect people. Yeah, it really feels like we need to be moving much faster. But uh, yeah, this endemic risk that the the modern economic system has drifted towards sees such change as as a real challenge. And yeah, I'm kind of flipping between New York and London here, the big global issues. And what you guys are going through, we we often uh, see six, 12 months later, maybe even further down the path. So we'll... um, yeah, with so many empty homes in the UK, uh, you know, COVID hit really quite quickly there. What what has been some of the big drivers to to make a difference to people in the short term? As Helen was describing, there are there's a there is a wave of economic crisis coming towards us. So the immediate response from government was to solve a problem that government hadn't been able to solve for forty years which was to say all those people who are rough sleeping out on the streets uh, should have somewhere to live. And they did this in, this was done in weeks with the support of housing organisations and local authorities. It was absolutely remarkable. It was remarkable because previously this was seen as impossible. Um, And also they magic the money from somewhere to do it. So uh, it was a programme called Everybody In. And indeed, mostly everybody is in of course there are some people who are on the streets who find it very difficult to live in accommodation because of mental health problems and other issues and that's completely understood um but so that was the first strategy that 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 was adopted and then uh, the government basically then um brought in some tenant protection protection from evictions um again this was kind of incredible and people thinking what's going on here that runs out on the 23rd of, of august and um People are asking, okay, what happens then? Um, so two quite big steps in an emergency situation. 
you know, and in a crisis situation. But you wonder, well, if you could do this in a crisis situation, why couldn't we do this before? Yeah. Um, and that's the conversation that's going on in the UK, that the money's there, the resources are there, the homes are there. Let's try and sort this if out. If everybody's in, uh, did they do it like here in Australia where they just uh, open up the checkbook and uh, rented out all sorts of hotels to get people indoors? So yeah. was there any change in the use of vacant homes? Not really. Um, I mean, some people came forward. You know, it's it's tricky on that one because, for example, Southwark uh, Council, which is an area of London, uh, population about a quarter of a million, um, they have thousands of empty homes and also second homes. And they wrote to everybody who had an empty home in a second home and said, you know, time of crisis, can you come forward? Um, and they got four letters back saying yes. <laughs> which is just kind of a really poor response, which demonstrates the, the requirement for a shifting culture on empty properties and what homes are about, and that they are actually a part of community as well as just being a private space as well. So it really didn't have a, that much of an impact. But what we have noticed is that it's crashed, temporarily crashed the Airbnb market. Um, it's real problems for Airbnb rentals under COVID. And it will be interesting to see how many of those turn into long-term rents um, because they will also be joining lots of housing developments, which will also be shifting into long-term rents. And there's a big, so there's a bigger crisis coming there because, you know, at the same time, when possible, some landlords will evict people who can't pay their rents because of the job crisis. So we're going to be flooded with re rental properties with falling prices. Now, what that's going to turn out like, nobody knows. I suspect mm. a lot more emptiness. Helene, how about you? I wanted to say that um, right before um, the COVID crisis started, we had this very um, strange situation in New York City where we had both empty homes caused by, as I was saying, the foreclosure crisis from 10 years ago, um, and for some reason, banks are just sitting on those um, on those mortgages, and these houses are deteriorating. At the same time, that they have built so much luxury housing in Manhattan, that one out of four of yeah. these luxury condos is sitting on the market, not selling. But you walk around Manhattan, and everywhere you see <laughs> uh, new construction sites and new towers going up when there's already too much of that kind of housing. So uh, similar to what Will was mentioning, I mean, mm. when COVID hit, New York City did starting start putting um, some homeless families into um, hotels and motels and that, that kind of temporary housing. There was a big push because there was really concern about, um, you know, COVID spreading quickly if people weren't properly housed. And finally, a recognition that housing is really important to public health. It's a basic. Um, so at the same time that, you know, not enough is being done, there is some reckoning and understanding that all of these issues are interconnected. You can't neglect your housing and expect um, all your other aspects of um, of culture and society and stability to, to work. Yeah, something like that's going on in London as well, in particular, but across the country. I mean, because they do have a particular problem, which is once you start tipping people out of hotels, where are they going to go? 
you know, that is the big issue. That's kind of, uh, you know, we spent a long time talking about the Brexit cliff edge. Now we're heading towards a homelessness cliff edge, you know, and government has really got to work out, you know, if you don't want these people back on the streets and they're, they're you know, the civil servants seem to be saying we, we, we need to crack this now. We have an opportunity. It requires a shift in culture about what you do about empty mm. properties. That's what it really requires because there's enough places for people to live. That's not the issue, and everybody knows it. And that's shocking to hear that the government wrote to thousands of empty home owners and only four responded. Uh, yeah, that change of culture mm. is is uh, urgently required. And when you think of uh, the nurses and doctors who have um, rented out their own um, separate apartments away from their families to try and reduce the risk of spreading disease there, uh, it really makes you wonder why we have this sanctity of uh, of property ownership, particularly vacant property ownership, when so much of the media marketplace is uh, demonising people on welfare. But uh, here, property owners uh, can hold a property empty and they increase in value over time as society uh, continues to develop. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's... Such a big issue and, you know, listeners, we've been catching up over the last uh, four or five months um, discussing this evolving situation and trying to figure out what we can do to um, preserve uh, our communities and ensure that everyone is safe. So, um, yeah, it really makes you recognise just how close we are, you know, one paycheck away from eviction sort of thing. Um, and, you know, what can we do mm. to wind society back from this incredibly risky scenario that uh, this pandemic has placed us in? 3CR, radio that's independent, progressive and making a difference. Well, in your pretty vacant report, you had a, a raft of powerful statements from politicians and um campaigners surrounding uh, this change of culture. Uh, what, what was some of the, the highlights that came from that report and, um, you know, have you seen much uh, movement within political circles to really address this situation? It's a, it's a, it's a dual-edged thing here because, yes, there has been discussion about what to do about this situation, uh, but... Um, policymakers and government seem to be so rammed up with uh, s with projects that they need to complete to deal with COVID that they are way down the line on thinking about what to do about the empty homes problem. You know, they're, they're a long way away from that. Um, but we, ha we are intending to ensure that this issue is raised in the elections that are taking place next May because all of our elections were cancelled for this May. And we have a project to make sure it's at the top of the agenda in the in the next period so when people go to the polls in may across the country it's not a general election it's many local elections um that they will be thinking about this and so the key really what the key thing for us yeah is that first of all we have to identify these empty properties properly these second homes airbnb properly because we don't really have the data that's required to identify empty property i mean Knows it sounds crazy, but in the UK, it's really hard to find out who owns what property and who the beneficial owners are. So we're calling for kind of new facts and figures, new data to make sure that we can do that. 
Um, and we're also looking to force the question of underutilisation onto the agenda by saying, look, there's clear social need here, so we need stricter criteria around how long places can be left empty and creating a culture whereby homeowners come forward, second homeowners and empty homeowners come forward and are encouraged to come forward to say, okay, we can hand this over to communities so that they can create community housing. And those are the two things that we're aiming at is new data and a, and a, and a change in culture. You know, you know, there is a saying in, uh, and I don't know whether this travels, but there's a saying in the UK that an English person's home is their castle. And this comes back from as far as the Norman conquest. So we need to have a good old think about how to say, well, it might be your castle, but it is also part of a community. Um, and that's what Pretty Vacant is trying to say to people. And it's also looking at, I mean, there's something I must tell you, because we, we published the report about exactly how you described it, Helen, in New York, these high rises going up everywhere. And a couple of months later in the Financial Times was a great story uh, with a great quote by a guy called Tim Crane, who's head of research at Mollier London, who are in a kind of a research organization into property. And he said this, okay, and it's just such a good quote. He said, 20 years ago, if someone was building a development scheme in London, they would re be really happy to sell one a week to a couple with a baby. He said, nowadays, the notion that it's a normal market selling to normal people simply does not exist. So it's just gone so far off the scale. And our hope is that through publishing Pretty Vacant, creating local projects around it and local campaigns around it, we can begin to shift the policy debate because a lot of people see this. They see it, but they don't know what to do about it. So we're going to try and generate something where we can do about it. And part of it for us is learning from around the world. You know, It's learning from what's going on in New York. It's learning from what's going on in Melbourne and Australia about different strategies and tactics for dealing with this problem. And this is one of the reasons why I enjoy these conversations, actually, because we learn from each other as we're having the conversation. And we learn stuff. I would say the same. It's been um, a great, a great lesson and just a lot of the similarities, understanding that a lot of these patterns are international, they're global. And so solutions, coming up with solutions that are, that are um, global as opposed to solely local seems really important. I just want to throw in a couple of things, Carl. Recently in the press, we read that 80% of Americans do not have at least $400 to tide them over with job loss. And that's an astounding percentage of the, of the population when you think about it. How many people really live paycheck to paycheck, literally, which is a, a serious economic issue, um, you know, apart from the housing. The other thing I'll say is this whole idea of purchasing um, housing, as well as just saying, it used to be you bought it so that people lived in it, and now we call them safe deposit boxes because apparently people have come from around the world and purchased these primarily Manhattan apartments, but we have four other boroughs in New York City and purchasing everywhere and leaving them empty. In fact, the irony is in some of our very, what we call our high rent um, fancy housing districts, the stores are closing because not enough people live there to keep these stores going. Um, we're not crying that, you know, high-end retailers are suffering, but it, this has economic consequences everywhere is what I'm trying to say.
Yeah, no, there's the same in, same in central London. You know, there are areas which are kind of ghost areas where there's nobody there. <laughs> it's yeah. really quite strange. There's nobody there. And and this this um uh, uh, and our fear is that you know there's going to be more of this because I mean just uh the, the, there are funds people hedge funds with lots of money who are sitting there waiting to buy up both distressed properties and these new build properties, yeah, and keep them empty as safety deposit boxes, really. And you know, we personal story, um we uh me and my partner Sue, we're 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 thinking of moving house, and we had somebody come and visit us from an online estate agency, you know, because they're a bit cheaper to test them out. And uh, I was I was in a meeting, and this person was talking to Sue, and she came in and she said, you know, they've they've, and it's not about the money because you know this is a home, so we're not interested in the money. But she said she said, well, they offered us a hundred thousand less than the home is worth. And I said, what did they say? And she said, well, they were talking about wealth investors who wanted to invest. And all this kind of stuff. And I, we worked out that the person we were speaking to thought we were a distressed asset and that we were a couple about to lose our jobs and we're trying to sell our house. Got it completely wrong. But they were, this guy was talking about wealth investors will buy your property quickly if you sell it cheap. And this must be going on all over London and all over cities in England because as those people are on the paychecks, you know, we've got this here as well. People have got very little money, too much credit owed then there's there is going to be this and we have to kind of find a way of dealing with these kind of funds that are coming in to buy up these properties and protect people keep them in their homes you're on 3cr's renegade economist with your host carl fitzgerald and this week we're in discussion with helene kalor from new york's uh, lisk ngo and will mcmahon in london with uh, action on empty homes so we're in a way talking about this commercialization uh, of housing you know we all grow up playing this monopoly board game but uh, we don't really realize that we spend the rest of our lives being played by uh, monopolists as we try and trade our way through this game of life where location has this incredible premium placed on it and it just puts us all under so much pressure what we're seeing here in Australia is that with the crackdown well basically the halting of immigration which has been the secret source that's kept our economy afloat for some 28 years without a recession soon to be broken uh, without any immigration uh, without the so much import export there's a need for a driver to to move the economy along and um Thankfully, some levels of government here in Australia are looking for a more effective way to tax our property sector. But yeah, I just wonder uh, whether you're seeing any effective housing policies being announced or is it uh, what uh, one of my colleagues described as recently, uh, reform theatre, where, you know, they, they... pretend there's going to be some sort of reform announced, but really it's just a theatre for the masses to distract them from the fact that the status quo will really continue onwards and upwards. Wow, what a question. (laughs) And I like the phrase reform theatre. I like that. I've never heard that before. That's great. Um, Yeah, that's where we are. Um, There are, say, for example, the government in, in the UK is saying we're going to protect uh, tenants from being evicted for a little bit longer, um, but actually the key 
legislation you require is to revoke Section 21 in our legislation, which means that a landlord can evict somebody after six months without any reason. And uh, we really need that to be changed. So if you were serious, you revoke Section 21. So landlords can't just kick people out because they, you know, they want to put the rents up. Um, so th there's that issue there. We are, I, 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 feel, I, I don't know about in the US, but I feel the steps that our government is making in terms of rough sleeping. As soon as, you know, we had big news today, yesterday about the vaccine, about possible vaccine on COVID from Oxford University, which is great to hear. Great to hear. Um, but you, 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 I, the other thought in my head is as soon as we get on top of this, which hopefully we will, then the people who are homeless will be forgotten and no real measures will be taken. We'll go back to where we were. Um, so that kind of reform theatre, I think, is certainly taking place here. No question about it. They're under huge amounts of pressure, um, particularly because of the last recession we had. They said there was no, you know, there was no money and now they found all this money. So all their narratives are a bit mixed up. So they're under huge pressure at a governmental level, but whether they will we'll go back to where we were before, it's possible unless we can use this window to create something different. Carl, what's going on now? There's certainly a moratorium on evictions, but yeah, a lot of our efforts are tied up in tax reform to try and encourage those empty properties onto the market. And we're getting, you know, it's the best momentum we've had in that direction for a long, long time. So uh, certainly uh, there's an understanding that uh, landlords and tenants are in this together and we do need to, to, to work um, in unison. But uh, sooner or later, these, the banks, um, Moody, you know, I just wonder what Standard and Poor's and Moody's are going to do, these ratings agencies, as, uh, you know, the banks have, have given... Uh, Three to six months on mortgage uh, repayment holidays, uh, their their lenience is going to um, dwindle soon. And so, yeah, we're, we're just beginning this. And so, listeners, as we come to the end of uh, this show, the three of us, uh, Helene, Will and myself, have decided to come together with an important new group. Now, Will, could you perhaps give us an introduction to this? Yeah, well, the, 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 the network we're establishing is the Global Empty Homes Network. And um, what, we are, what we want to do is exchange kind of policy experience, practice experience, experience in terms of what advocates are doing on the ground. Um, we, we recognize, I think, that this is a global, as Helen was saying, this is a global issue and there are global actors. And we think there needs to be a kind of a, a global empty homes network to respond that looks at both wealth investment chucking up these flats that are unaffordable, but also the distressed assets and the zombie homes, as you say, in New York and the empty houses in New York, and that we can share common experiences and hopefully we can build a network that will bring in many countries from across the world and many organisations and we can have an impact on kind of global policy making, which is a big ambition and we are at the foothills. Let's say this now, we are at the foothills, but you know, if people want to join us on the foothills, then they're welcome. We say think globally, act locally. So that's the hope here. <laughs> that's exactly the thought. And, you know, I mean, we've, we've got some acting. I just, just as, as part of this, I just need to report to you that in London over the last two or three weeks, we've, for the first time for many years, decades, we've had people doing public protests about empty properties during the C-19 crisis. Yeah, and we want to share that message with you across the world. And if you tell us, we can encourage each other. You know, stuff can be done. 
Yeah, it is so important because uh, it is hard to get people interested in empty homes uh, in, until they're homeless. But how do we get society to work proactively to minimise these costs, to minimise what are now seen as health risks? So, uh, yeah, it's just the very beginning of this process, uh, listeners. So I'll have more information on this in times to come. But, um, yeah, we thought it was important to start getting the word out there because uh, quantifying vacancy acting on uh, all the different stages of the foreclosure process and then the tenancy legislation, that there is such a need for more detailed work in this space. So uh, I've found it uh, most rewarding working with both of you over the last few months. So fantastic, Will, and great to have you, um, Helene, on the call today. Um, thanks very much, and let's hope we can report in in another year or so with uh, uh, some, some milestone uh, victories along this long and uh, windy road. Okay, thank you. Yeah, let's do that. Thank you. Well, there we go, listeners. That was Helene Kalor from Lisk in New York and Will McMahon from Action for Empty Homes out of London. Great to uh, have a little working team looking at these global issues, the mobility of capital tearing apart our communities. What can we do to protect ourselves from that? Stay tuned to... Uh, the Global Empty Homes Network. We'll be out there campaigning over these issues that are just ever so prevalent uh, during this COVID period as we march towards uh, the September cliff. Fingers crossed uh, things are okay in your world. In your housing situation, please get in touch. Uh, renegades at earthsharing.org.au if you have any scoops. We know what's happening out there. We know the insiders are uh, sculpting their pencils. Let's stick up for the public interest here on 3CR's Airways with the Renegade Economist. I look forward to being back with you in another month.